from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the G and Ursula Show with G. Scott and Ursula Voitine. Chef, I bet everybody thought that they were going to get the best of today, huh? Every day with you is the best of, G. Oh, look at you coming with compliments today. <laughs> What's up, everybody? It is the G and Ursula Show. Chef is here. Good to have you with us, brother. Brother Nick, good morning. What up? Wait, real quick, before I tell everybody what's going on on the show today, Yeah. why were the both of you gone on Friday? Like, what? <laughs> like, did, can like you we guys, coordinated outfits Can you something? at least say to each other, like, hey, you going to take this one? Okay, I'll stay here. Like, what's up with you? just both left. Everybody was gone. Maybe it was a little ambush tactics. Who knows? What's up with that? Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes every day with you, even when it's the best, is too much. <laughs> we had to be gone. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Hey, so let me tell you what's going to be going on. First, I want to let you know that Ursula will be back tomorrow. So we'll have a welcome back party for Ursula. She joins the show tomorrow at 9 a.m. Coming up at 947 today. This day, January 15th, is a very special day. Yes, it's Dr. King's birthday. We're celebrating that. But it's also a special day for me. I'll explain it at 947. And at 933, we will talk about Dr. King and what he means to all of us. But right now, let's get to it. Top stories of the day brought to you by Way Scar 40, Susu in Auburn. Can you turn the temperature down amid record freezing temperatures across Washington? Puget Sound Energy asked customers over the weekend to turn down their thermostats or avoid using hot water during peak hours. Gee, that included customers in Bellingham and Whatcom County where wind chill uh, dropped temperatures to negative 23 degrees over the weekend. Seattle had the coldest temps in over three decades. And you're turning it down? Yeah. Um, It was cold. But can we all, as Governor Inslee says, Washingtonians agree a little bit, but there wasn't a lot of, especially along here uh, in Tacoma, Seattle area, there wasn't a lot of moisture in the air. So mm-hmm. it felt like, yeah, it was cold, but it wasn't as cold as it looked or sounded, right? Oh, it's 22 degrees. It's 20 degrees. It was cold. The good news is, is now I know there's some areas got a little bit of precipitation, a little bit of snow, but for the main part, mostly here, it was nothing. So all of the good news is, promise not to laugh, all yeah. right, is I got to wear my coat, and I'm wearing it right now, and I only get to wear this coat two to three days out of the year, and I'm super excited about that. That's my selfish angle and point. Now, on another end, and what you are talking about is you're talking about some of these pipes and everything that's going on. That hasn't been good, Chef. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in a sense, this was this was kind of the perfect uh, Seattle snowstorm because we were promised a lot of snow. Forecast changed. Got a little sprinkling, at least up in my area, enough to build a snowman, which was excellent with Matthew. Uh-huh. But, I mean, uh, people around the region, I mean, my father-in-law was staying with us last night because uh, his pipes froze, his heater broke. There were students up at Western Washington who spent the weekend with no heat right. whatsoever. I don't know. I, th- I thought the idea of Puget Sound Energy coming out and telling people to just, you know, tone it down. Just That was a little insensitive. Now, okay. On one hand, I guess it could seem like it's a little insensitive. But I know for me, and I can't speak for all of you out there, um, the older that I get, the more I tend to think about others. 
I do a better job of that. I'd say that when I was younger, I tended to only think about myself. And I don't know how much it works. I don't understand technically how it works if I can serve in my home, if I can serve a little bit of power and energy, how that's going to help someone. All I know is is it kind of makes me feel good to do it. So yesterday, Chef, my wife and I, we left the house. Okay. We're out of the house. We're mm-hmm. doing other things. That kind of, in my mind, I didn't even make, I didn't even say anything to her. It made me kind of feel good that all the stuff turned off in the home. I made sure that outside the water is everything, everything's good with there with the pipes. I made sure the cabinets are open a little bit up under the sink, kind of make sure there's heat going on. Cabinets but, open? Yeah. Just, is what? this part of prep that I'm, I'm because I'm not a homeowner. I never have to do yeah, this stuff. Yeah, so it's kind of good to kind of just like open it up a little bit so the heat can kind of make sure, make sure your pipes ah, are good okay. inside, uh, down up under the sink. But anyways, I did try to think about others when it comes to conservation and energy. Again, I repeat, I don't understand how it goes, but it made me feel good and actually had me patting myself on the back, said, that a boy. I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. Thank you, G, for doing your part. Let's go and move on here, though. Okay. After only two years at the University of Washington and just four days after taking the Huskies to a national championship, Kalen DeBoer announced he'd been hired as the head coach of Alabama, the only place in the country he says he would have left UW for. I need to thank some people, guy back at Washington, and it's a special place to me. It really is, and this was one of the few places, maybe the only place that I would have ever left to, to come coach at. Gee, you gotta you gotta help me understand because I didn't talk to you on Friday. Mm-hmm. Why did Kalen DeBoer dump you, Dub, at the pinnacle of their success to go to Alabama? Well, I find it interesting how you worded that. He dumped you, Dub. Yeah, I don't. Uh... First, before we go into this topic, I would love to hear from you on the Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line, 888-973-5476. Are you upset with Kalen DeBoer leaving? Are you mad at him? Not the situation, but are you personally mad at him? Now, first, Chef, before we get into this topic, all of us try to do our best, what's best for our families, professionally. That's number one. Mm-hmm. We cannot pick and choose when we decide if college football is a business. College football is a business. The University of Alabama and coaching there is arguably one of the it can be it can be debated, but it's fair to be debated that it is the top five jobs in all of college football. As a matter of fact, it almost can be argued that it's one of the top five jobs in all of football, both college and pro. This is a dream job for a coach. Before I put in Kalen DeBoer, for a coach. Kalen DeBoer, Fresno State, there before that, he's uh, other places as well where he coached Division II. He got to the University of Washington, and he came here, and he took this team to a national championship. This University of Washington football program, has not been to a national championship in 30 years. He did that. Amongst doing that, had no idea. Well, I'll get to that in a second. Maybe he did have an idea. But technically had no idea that Nick Saban 
would retire. Nick Saban signed yeah. a contract in 2022 to continue on being their coach. He has another eight years left on that deal. Nobody saw Nick Saban leaving, but he did. How did Kalen DeBoer find out? Hmm, well, oh, Nick Saban and Kalen DeBoer have the same sports agent, right? Wait, wait, wait. Back up. The, okay, so the former coach at Alabama yes. and the now head coach of Alabama have the same agent that represents them, negotiates contracts. See, my head was spinning over the weekend. with It, it was like whiplash with how fast this happened. I mean, how does Alabama, within, what, a day or two of their coach retiring, perform a nationwide search, interview candidates, and then come up with a contract. How does that happen in two days? Well, or has he been cooking this up the entire season? Well, n- like, no, he's been looking to leave no, the whole time. No, I don't think he was looking to leave the whole time. I don't. I, I, I really don't. But I don't know that. But it's just an opinion of mine. But you asked a question, and I'm glad you asked that up. You said, how in the world did they have this nationwide search? Well, on Friday, I explained to everyone, and I'll explain to you. When companies and organizations come out and be like, oh, we're opening up this job position. We're going to open it up to everyone. We're going to post it online. How many times do they really know who the candidate is going to be? They know. Uh. They always know. But in this case, to even go a little further, the candidates that were for the Alabama job, Kalen DeBoer, uh-huh. Mike Norvell, Florida State coach, Steve Sarkeesian, Texas coach. Guess what, Chef? Guess who Steve Sarkeesian and Mike Norvell, guess who their agent is? They have the same agent? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. You, 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 you following me? Yeah. So let, huh. me end, let me end it with this. One, my heart always goes out to the kids because even in real divorces in real life, the kids are always impacted. In this case right here, those kids at the University of Washington have gone through a lot. There are some fifth-year seniors that will be coming into this season that were recruited by Chris Peterson and then had Jimmy Lake for a coach and then now have had Kalen DeBoer and now will have Jed Fitch. And, oh, if you're upset with Kalen DeBoer leaving the University of Washington, then you should probably be upset with Jed Fitch for leaving the University of Arizona. It is a Real business, and this is what I'm saying. You can't pick and choose. One last thing about the University of Washington. You guys got a good coach in Jed Fish. Offensive mind is fantastic. Let's move on. Seattle's new minimum pay law for delivery drivers went into effect on Saturday, and customers are already feeling the effects. Drivers for DoorDash, Uber Eats, and Instacart will receive a minimum $5 per order, or $0.44 per minute, plus $0.74 a mile, whichever is greater. What does that mean for you if you are ordering? Well, Instacart says they will now have to pay drivers more than $26 per hour and warned of new fees to come, and they're going to set the default tip to $0 in the app. DoorDash is also promising new fees and warning that merchants may experience significant declines in order volume as well as negative impacts to service and the Seattle Times reports that Instacart and DoorDash drivers or customers who live outside of Seattle won't be able to order from Seattle businesses Uber Eats says they're adding a $5 local operating fee and an increased service fee. This customer tells Cairo 7 it's too much. Since I moved to Seattle, it's like 10 extra dollars to 15 plus the money that you pay for your food from what I saw. And so 
with what they're adding now, <laughs> yeah, no thank you. Gee, what do you think? I think that uh, we have a change behavior patterns in this country, and I can only speak for here locally. Um, those days of just getting up, going out, and getting the food, it's a convenience thing. As a matter of fact, here's another thing I think. I think that there are a lot of people, as they're going into the year 2024, and they're looking at their budget, and they're trying to clean things up. I bet you one of the first things that have been talked about is your DoorDash budget or mm-hmm. your Uber Eats budget. Because I would assume, like me and like a lot of folks, it's a little high, higher than it probably has ever been. And that's because of our change behavior. So on one hand, none of us really are happy about increased prices in anything. But also, we also understand the reason for the increased prices is so that the workers that are out here, that are uh, these gig workers that are out here, so they can increase their pay. We know we talk about money all the time. We know $15 an hour is just not cutting it. So when you have um, you have Instacart saying that right now they'll pay drivers more than $26 an hour so that to help with things, here's why everybody should love that. You should love that because that gives people... I'm not justifying crime. I'm not saying that. I'm not justifying crime. But what if, what if the ability for some people to make more money can hit with a minor decrease in crime because of that? I love that idea, Chef. I I think, okay. I'm of two minds on this because one, I I look at 26 plus to go and pick up somebody's McDonald's orders. And I think to myself, hmm, that's not significantly less than I make currently. That's crazy. On the other hand, I also think, you know what? The people that decide to, to order somebody to go pick up their food from McDonald's can afford this. The whole idea of DoorDash to me is crazy. It is absolutely crazy that uh, people do not have the wherewithal to pick up a cup of coffee. Please bring me my cup of coffee. I can't get out of bed. Oh, go get me Chinese. That is nuts. If people have to pay 10 or $20 to have something delivered to their house, I mean, we occasionally, occasionally use Instacart for grocery delivery, and it feels silly to me every single time. Who has enough money? to add like 15 or $20 onto every single food order that they make. This is nuts. Sometimes convenience. Sometimes can we, there's a lot of things that we pay for these days, right? And I, I want to ask this, because you said something, and I, and I do think that this is a, a deal. You talked about the $26 yeah. per hour. And when we hear, when most of us hear topics like these, and we hear someone, whether they're driving for Instacart or DoorDash, mm-hmm. being able to make X amount of money, and then you're saying, well, wait a minute. I'm in my profession. I've been doing this profession. I have this experience. I've been doing it this long. And that person can just wake up, turn the app on, and make just as much money as, it, as me. Here's my question for you and everyone else. Does that upset you guys? Does it no, no I'm being serious. Does it does it upset you when it whether it's a fast food worker, whether it's a job that you don't think that you deem as less than? Are there jobs out there that you're like, I cannot believe that that person or that profession is making as much money as me and I've had to do this to get there? You want me to be honest? Yes. Yeah, it bothers me. Yeah, it bothers me, right? Because 
theoretically, theoretically, I should be able to go to my boss and say, you know what? I deserve a raise because uh, somebody with no experience yeah. can go make X amount of money at this company right here. No training needed whatsoever. So I should be paid more because clearly I'm more experienced. My job is more valuable. That That is supposed to be the argument that you can make to your boss. But that's not the way budgets work. At most companies, just because somebody at DoorDash can make twenty six fifty an hour doesn't mean I can go to my boss and see say, oh, that guy's making a bunch. I should make more. Right. That's not how it works. Right. Like, right. Eventually it does. And I'm happy that pe- there is a wage floor, mm-hmm. even for relatively simple work. But yeah, it kind of burns a little bit. OK, that's fair. I just just another way of looking at these things. DoorDash to some might just seem like a just, oh my gosh, I can't believe, G, you could go to the subway if you wanted to. You're just having, you're just paying for the service for them to come to you. And then there are those that maybe they live in Seattle and their parent on a fixed income lives in Tacoma and their ability to be able to send Instacart to their family that can't really have the mobility uh, issues that they continue to have. They're able to have those groceries sent to them. So DoorDash to some and DoorDash to others can be looked at about different ways. What would you rather do, G? What's would that? you rather drive DoorDash for twenty six fifty an hour? Or would you rather watch like eight little kids in a preschool for nineteen? Give me DoorDash for ten dollars an hour. That's what yeah. I'm saying. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Hey, nine forty seven. I'll tell you why January 15th is a very special day to me. You'll want to. I got some stories for you guys. Yeah, today's Dr. King's birthday, so we get to share some stories. But speaking of that, let's talk about Dr. King and we'll reflect on his memory, what he has meant then, and what he still means today. We'll do that next. It's the Genosha Show. Ursula Show. Good morning, everyone. Ursula will be back tomorrow here on the Gene Ursula Show. She gets here tomorrow, 9 o'clock. Looking forward to that. Ursula joins us back tomorrow. Coming up at 947, we need to talk, and I'll tell you why today is really a special day for me. We'll get into that at 947. But right now, you know, I was thinking about as we honor Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on this day. And how to have a discussion about him in a way that I'm going to try to be at least a little different. So my approach to this is not to necessarily give you an answer, to give you all these thoughtful things and quotes and different quotes and sermons and speeches that you've heard before. But I want to do a better job and maybe I can help give you a conversation a conversation, so maybe that you can have later. Today, I want to focus on the progress that this country has had since the work of Dr. King. Sure, the number one quote connected to him is, I have a dream, and we all know that. But with that being said, oftentimes we in this country, we talk a lot about 
how much progress has it been made. I myself have done that. Absolutely. I talk about the progress and where it needs to be and the progress in this country is not where it should be. And I stand on that. But sometimes you have to celebrate wins. I believe that since Dr. King's work, the progress that we have in this country has been amazing. Without going through all of the things that didn't happen 60 years ago, 70 years ago, to where we are today, the progress is amazing. His efforts paved the way for I mean, significant advancements in, of course, civil rights. And it has inspired many of us, maybe you, maybe your loved ones, to continue to fight for equality and justice. Now, it's the approach that growing up that I would hear about the avocation of being nonviolent and what that meant and how huge that was, because that was a big thing for him. And I remember when I was a kid, this, this, is, this is real, when I would go to the library, the only thing that I would go and touch, like, you know, like mandatory, go to the library, I was always going to try to read stuff on Dr. King. Now, I didn't know why as a kid, but as an adult, I find myself going to read a lot of his speeches over the time. I listen to a lot of his speeches, not the popular ones. I'm talking about the ones that he's done at schools and churches and stuff all over. And that man was incredible. He was a genius. So much so, as you guys know, he was accepted into college at the age of 15. At 19, he was done with college and then enrolled at a theological seminary in Chester, Pennsylvania, Graduating with a bachelor there from in 1951, and he received a doctorate in 1954. I mean, this dude was like before his time, like he, he, brilliant. So he wasn't just somebody just out there just saying I have a dream and saying it, a nonviolent approach and saying this is what I think should happen and equality and all those things. He was doing this in a way that was different than anybody had come before him. It was so different that the the head of the FBI, he was called Dr. King a terrorist threat here in this country because what he was talking about, what he foresaw in the future was just before anybody's time. And I just want to take this time to just really like really celebrate like where we are and just take a time to instead of just talking about where we aren't but to talk about where we are. And I wanted to share a story, and I figured maybe I just can tell you about one story. Have you ever heard of Colette Colvin? You know who mm. that is? That name sound familiar? No. Here's why. In March of 1955, Colette Colvin was a 15-year-old gal. She was 15, black girl, in Montgomery, Alabama. She refused to give up her seat on a bus. She was arrested, spent hours in jail before she was released. When she got home and her parents got her home, they were up all through the night, afraid of retaliation because of her defiance to not wanting to give up her seat. The NCAA, excuse me, the NAACP, (laughs) 
took this case up. Dr. King at the time was on the committee for the Birmingham African-American community. He also helped look on this. And they were like, hey, we want to fight this. The reason why you guys don't know of who she is, they decided not to fight it. And the reason why they decided not to fight it is because they felt, one, she was too young, 15 years old. Mm -hmm. And number two, she was also pregnant and she was unwed at the time. And they thought there would be too much focus on her being 15, pregnant and not married. And so they said, nah, let's do away with this. This is March of 1955. And then we all know what happened in Mississippi in August of 1955. That was the murder of Emmett Till. So I'm trying to set the stage of what's going on in this country. But then in December of 1955, Rosa Parks didn't want to give up her seat. And that's when the NAACP says, now is the time to act. The boycott lasts for 385 days, and the rest is history. I bring up that just to say this. Oftentimes in life, opportunity is met with just timing at the right time. Some things might happen now. Some things might not happen until later. And one of the things that Dr. King is always known about and is equality, race relations in this country. But one of the things that he really does is he always talks and talked about pay equality. Like that was one of the biggest things that he did towards the end. And I want to share this quote, and this will be the last thing I want to share with you guys. This was a meeting of the uh, commission, and he did a sermon for them, the Commission of Immensical Mission Relations. It was in Pittsburgh, June 3rd, 1958. I'm not going to play the long sermon, but I want to take a quote. And Chef, it goes to what you and I were talking about when we were talking about people and wages. He says, quote, I am afraid that many among you are more concerned about making a living than making a life. You are prone to judge the success of your profession by the index of your salary and the size of your wheelbase on your automobile rather than the quality of your service to humanity. The misuse of capitalism can also lead to tragic exploitation. Chef, I think there are a lot of us that are just doing things for the money because we have to. Yeah. But I think once you get that calling and you're able to do something and you're able to keep humanity into what you're doing and you feel good about what you're doing every day, I think that is where the magic is. And I think one of the reasons why I subscribe to listening to a lot of Dr. King is that he talks a lot about that. And he talks a lot about humanity. I I love his thoughts on economic justice and dignity. In, In that quote you shared about working for a living wage just reminds me how low the bar is for us that people have to fight for a living wage to survive not a thriving wage even a living wage living wage yeah can i ask you a quick question what do you got bro on today 
Yeah. It's kind of like June, Juneteenth. People come up to you and they give you that special look and they go, happy MLK Day to you especially. Nope, just, no. James, just James Lynch. <laughs> All right. James Lynch was the only one. <laughs> all right. Everybody else is just walking in here like, you know what I'm saying? It's a normal day. I got to love, love my coworkers. It's all good. <laughs> hey, coming up next, I'll tell you why it's a special day for me. I got a funny story for you guys. We do that next. It's Gino's show. Show. Good morning, everybody. Hope you guys are doing well. Mike Salk is going to join us from the Brock and Salk Show at 10 o'clock. We need to ask him what's going on, right? We, we want to know what's going on with the Seahawks, what's going on with the coaching search. We also want to know what his thoughts are on the new head coach for the University of Washington. So he joins us at 10 o'clock. But right now, i got to tell you all something. Why today is so special to me and why I really want it to work today. 25 years ago today was the first time that I stepped stepped foot in this great state. I have now been here 25 years. Drove up three of us, my guy Bug and my guy Fahari. We drove up and we were living, well, we drove up in a U-Haul and we had the U-Haul and we were living right there off of 348th in Federal Way. I don't know if it's a Best Western now. I don't know what it is, but it's a uh, it's the hotel that's right there by the Walmart. The mm-hmm. Walmart was not there, by the way, when we moved there 25 years ago. Um, quick story on the U-Haul. The U-Haul, we didn't I didn't have another car, so we rented the U-Haul from down south there and got up here. And because we didn't have a car and we still needed to go sell stuff door to door to be able to start making money, uh, I kept the U-Haul for longer than I should. <laughs> like, like I don't want to even, maybe, maybe I should not tell you guys how long I kept the U-Haul, but uh, I kept it, didn't have a car, and I had to use the U-Haul until I were able to get a car. Wait, so three dudes would be spilling out in the neighborhood in a U-Haul doing door-to-door sales? Yes. How many phone calls did you get about that? Well, we didn't get, we didn't get phone calls about that, about the U-Haul. We did get phone calls about our selling door to door. So, yeah, for example, that's what I mean. so when I when we first moved here, Chef, I mean I didn't know about different neighborhoods. I don't I don't know anybody, right? So I don't know the different areas to go to. All I know is is we were oh, so what's this place called? Oh, Bellevue, man, that's nothing around here. All right, let's just go find some businesses. Man, the police was on us so fast. Oh, do you, uh, do you, there's no solicitation. Do you have a license to be doing that? No, we ain't got a license. You know what I mean? We need to see some ID. But so anyway, we got to go to different neighborhoods and find out that way. And then so little by little, we ended up. Uh, I ended up leasing a spot. Found mm-hmm. a spot over there in Federal Way to lease. And I don't know, man. It's this morning, I had a bit of a moment because of the two guys, of the two other guys that came with me. Mm-hmm. One of them, he was a, you know, was a good friend of mine. I mean, just over time, we just don't we don't really talk anymore. And the other one passed away December sixteenth of two thousand and twenty-two. So I just think about 
where we were then and mm-hmm. where things are now, and it just kind of got to me. But 25 years, Chef. Can I ask, how did you how did you make a decision to come up here? Because, I don't know, what, your mid-20s. Mm-hmm. It, why Seattle? Why the Seattle area? Yeah, so the plan was is I was going to come here and build an office, right? So it was three of us. And we're going to come here, get an office, build with a bunch of guys. And then I would leave here and go to Boise, Idaho in six months. Right. And the reason why we came to Seattle, because there hadn't been a door to door sales office in the Seattle area for a while. So we figured "Mm, that'd be a good place to go because I was down in Portland. So coming here would be cool. It's a market. It wasn't really that much. And. After here, in six months, we would go to Boise, Idaho. Well, from January 99 to like June 99, that year, the rain was record. Like, I don't know what the records are right now, but it, they, all I know is, is every time they just kept talking about, this is the record. This is the record. It was raining every day. I said, man, this place sucks. <laughs> I cannot wait to get out of here. I hated it. And matter of fact, when I would go out, Chef, when I would come to Seattle, I, I would think, oh, these Seattle folks are weird. I would say that. But then I would go down in, like, in Tacoma. I'd be like, oh, I feel more home in Tacoma. I, that's how I was back okay. then. Okay, what, what made you say people in Seattle are weird? Because culturally, this is much different from Chicago, but I haven't spent much time in Chicago. Fair. When I was watching, I would be going doing door-to-door sales, and I was watching people walk around with no umbrellas and it was raining, I thought, why don't y'all have umbrellas? That is the dumbest thing in the world. Right? That's still that's number one. Number two, fam, why are you wearing sandals? It's raining outside. <laughs> well, who does that? Three, why is everybody walking around with coffee cups? Does everybody drink coffee around here? 25 years ago, yeah, that would have been noticeable. Uh, Like, coffee culture hadn't hit Chicago yet, right? No, absolutely not. I'm like, this is weird. But let me tell you what happened. In June, as I was getting prepared to get ready to go to Boise, Idaho, to do the same thing, the weather got better. And I'm like, oh, this is nice. Had a good weekend out there. I said, whoa. I said, well, how about I leave at the end of the summer? Well, okay. the end of the summer doesn't end in August, right? And September, September. is still yeah, yeah. going. You're like, man, what's going on? So I stayed a little longer. And maybe I'll go the next year. And then I met my kid's mom and the rest of the district. Never left. Gee, I'm glad you came, man. Changed a lot of lives. Quick question before we leave. Yeah. Let's say I was a housewife in Bellevue at the time 25 years ago, and you come knocking on my door. What's a product you're trying to sell me? Oh, some steak, some uh, our, our steak knives, steak so knives, our, our kitchen set. So it'll sound like yeah. this. It'll, it'll sound just like this. Hi, sorry to bother you. My name is G. I was in your neighborhood, right down the street. There was a few ladies. Uh, they they purchased a few. I don't have many left. Normally these sets right here. Here, hold this for a sec. Normally these Ooh, sets right here. Yeah, these sets right here are normally twenty nine ninety nine in the stores. Right now we have them today for ten dollars for the set. We, ha- I only have eleven. I only have eleven sets left. How many can I get you? I never ask you if you want it. I just ask you how many can I get you. 
I shouldn't have tried that when I was asking girls out back in the day. When can I take you out? Yeah, don't do that today. <laughs> That's an HR nightmare. All right, coming up next, Mike Salk is going to join the show. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us on Dr. King's birthday. It is the Genosha Show.